Hi, welcome to Swordnut Radio. Tonight we're talking about apps that help you roleplay. If you want to get in touch with us, send us your thoughts and a random fact to swordnutradio at gmail.com. That's swordnutradio at gmail.com. Or hit me up on Twitter, I'm at swordnut. Thanks for listening. Introduce yourself, chaps. After you. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> hi, I'm Mike. And hi, I'm Adam, otherwise known as Biddy. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm usually the DM and I'm going to kill everyone tonight. <laughs> right. But in real life. What? <laughs> so, uh, Biddy, what are we talking about tonight? Okay, so uh, the topic of conversation is basically uh, there's an awful lot of applications out there, whether they be on your laptop, your tablet, or your mobile phone, um, that aid playing of games. And I'm just wanting to discuss, are they a good thing or a bad thing? What do you mean by aiding of playing games like get guides or well no i th- well there's a whole plethora i mean there's subsections within subsections with these things nowadays but for example i shall read out a couple of the applications that i have on my phone so we have fifth edition character editor which is exactly what it sounds like we also have empire legends which is the same application but for the star wars roleplay game I have mm-hmm. um, Star Wars Dice. I have X-Wing Squadron. I have Munchkin Counter. I've got D&D 4 <laughs> for Android. The, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Mm. Now, the question with them is, there's an awful lot of these apps that really add colour and life and make things a whole lot easier for yourself. And then there's others that are just pretty much almost downright illegal. I mean, wh- <laughs> one of the ones that I failed to mention and I'm not going to mention... Is essentially the mention D- it and, and we'll bleep it out. Well, it's it's <laughs> the D and D fifth edition spell deck on a right. Right. on a mobile phone app. Ah, I'm yes, not, I've heard about yeah, this. I'm not entirely sure how they've put this thing together. Whether they've done it by gleaming information from the books and the source guides, or whether they've just done a straight out copy of the cards. But that technically is a bit. To summarise what we're talking about, because there's so much out there, yeah. there's things that help you play live, so play at the table, yeah. and there's things that help you play remotely, and there's things that help you organise information. Yes. It's basically how it breaks down. Mm. One of the things that, um, that I'm finding interesting is that I've got an iPhone, so I'm just looking at iOS apps. So, I mean, I've got dice rollers and all sorts of stuff, and you know, I, I can make recommendations and things like that, but on iOS... Wizards of the Coast seem to be a lot more keen on jumping on their intellectual property. So, for example, there is, or there used to be, a spell deck app, but they've taken it off. Yeah. There's a thing which is called uh, Fight Club, which which has nominally a character sheet. You input everything in there, and then they have monsters and things like that. Now, for fourth edition, for three point five, um, everything's there because they've kind of hacked it and 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 gone with that. And Wizards of the Coast aren't really policing fourth edition anymore uh. but with fight club fifth edition there's nothing on there there's also the gm version of it which is supposed to have all the monsters there's nothing on there you have to literally manually enter every single stat and it started out with all that information on so basically wizards of the coast came along and said we don't mind you making an app but if you're going to use our intellectual property you need to be paying us yeah i think i think this is the point of the conversation, it's it's where do you draw the line? For example, the, uh, the yeah the spell deck one is just blatant copyright. 
And I mean, you know, if it wasn't for the simply for the fact that I can't actually physically buy a copy of it at the second because it's just totally sold out, I wouldn't be bothering to use it because I actually yeah. I enjoy the physical, you know, actually physically owning it and having the cards and and stuff. And that that's a that's a bad one. Whereas the fifth edition character sheet that I've used an awful lot, I don't consider to be that bad because although. It essentially allows you to create a character in about the space of five minutes because it's all just, you know, put in your numbers, pick this path, da 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 da. But it doesn't have any details. So although it says pick from this list of spells that you need to do because you're, you know, going up a level, you would still need the player's handbook to refer to yeah. what those spells are. And I think that's a happy balance. It, it aids and assists, but it doesn't completely replace, which I think is where the problem lies. Well, there's, there's some history here. Um, to put all these things in context, and that is that Dungeons and Dragons Insider used to be the thing. All right, um, so it used to be. Ah, oh, here we go. Yeah, Beyond Tabletop. There we are. Mm. Um, that's the one I was looking at. Yeah, they, they've had to remove everything and nerf it completely. There's there are other things out there which uh, have got away with more or less, or have some blessing from wizards. So. The history of this is that um fourth edition they had the D and D Insider, which is um an application based on the web. You used to be able to download it and then they moved it just to purely web based. Where you can create a character, all of the they well they had change control in that. So any errata they want to do, any updates they want to do, um any changes, they could make it to that. And it really was the only way to bring characters together quickly and it was reasonably cheap uh, as a dm you could just you subscribe to it and then you do all your characters and you can you can in fact like sign other people onto it you could export those things to uh to, uh, to web apps and to phone apps things like that so if you had a dnd insider account you'd log into your phone app and then everything would be there and that was great see all this sounds great and if wizard coast are actually taking stuff down then i would hope that they're building something similar well, that is what they tried to do. However, they hit a roadblock. They tried to put together... I'll interrupt myself there. I completely forgot who was involved in this project. The project was Dungeonscape, and Wizards of the Coast were partnering with Trapdoor Technologies. I know. I think when tools like this or apps like this are made, they're usually made by fans because it makes their life easier. Mm. I think when you start to monetize it, I think that's when it starts to get a bit grey. I mean, yeah. with your spell card thing, if it, if it was literally someone had gone to a photocopier and they'd photocopied those uh, spell cards in and just put it on as an app, then I'd have an issue. Well, I would have an issue with it, but there would be definite problems there. Yeah. yeah. Well, they they actually did have a partner on. As they were developing the game, they had a, a partner sort of entrenched with them to develop web apps and mobile apps. And it was going to be this massive rollout. So you, you'd have the core rule books come out and then immediately after that, you know, maybe a small shakedown period, um, there'd then be the apps to go with it. Uh, that was going to be virtual tabletop. It was going to be character generators. It was going to be spell cards and, and everything that fell through. Um, I, I, and no one knows why, but it fell through. And then that company went onto Kickstarter to try and get it going again and what they did was they tried to expand it to a few more games and they're asking for a half a million dollars yeah hmm. yeah that's not gonna happen yeah and that that to me says right away that they had nowhere near the amount of development they needed to actually like something yeah, to went it, yeah. yeah something went badly badly wrong because at the stage of of oh well this relationship just prior to release has just broken down that doesn't equate to we need half a million to 
But then you've got like fans out there that are making legitimately good like software to actually aid in yeah. in that. I think it's down to the fact that fans want to do it for free, and wizards don't want that to happen. The, the things that they're happy doing for free are in the free PDF. So, give an example. If you look for Path Guy, now this is a, a, a well-established website where the guy does a um, Flash or Java, whatever the hell it is, uh, where it's basically you just go through and you you pick all the various options as you as you go down this list, and you end up generating a, a character and come up with come up with a basic. Ah, oh, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it doesn't look fantastic, but it does the job. And what happened was, he put literally everything in, including his own home-brewed classes and things. And Wizard said, look, can you take this down except for the stuff that's in the free PDF? Mm. Well, what's the difference in putting it online out or going into, like, Fanboy 3 and telling everyone it? What's the difference? It's still, uh, it, the internet's still a community where you do share ideas, and that, I, I would classify that as that. Yeah, I mean, I think it all boils down to a degree of of yeah. Well, it boils down to money, I think, because if <laughs> if you're doing one of these things where yes, you can create a sheet and at the end of it you can print it off and go, haha, these are all my stats. I didn't have to do the math. Then I think they're probably fine with that. But anything that has got so much information on it that you don't actually need to go out and buy the book is probably where the the line is drawn from their standpoint because it means they're not getting any revenue, yeah. and if they're not getting any revenue, they can't continue to progress and update and bring out the next edition yeah and and they are putting things out for free is the thing they are putting free tools out there mm. and i think they would have you know ha- had the model worked you know had the business relationship worked then we would have digital tools now but would they be charged for do you think oh yeah there'd be a subscription that that worked really well for um dnd insider and it's cheap it's not like see i'm thinking um, i'm being a little bit I, i've never I've, i'm looking at this beyond tabletop now and I can't see what else you could add to this to make it more make it better, really. Uh, I mean, what what else is meant to be missing from this? Well, they wanted a virtual tabletop for a start, and I I would find it handy to be able to generate a character, you know, w- without having to have a character sheet handy. So it's something you could do on the train, which is now called that- Roll Twenty, yes. Yeah? Um, no, uh, Roll20 is a virtual tabletop which is um, not system specific. They do have things in there which are geared towards 5th edition, but it is fan created and it's just the maths. So it's a, it's a character sheet, it's the things that do the maths, but you have to write it all in. You can't just go, I want to be a dwarf and I want these spells and I want you know, this background. Uh, you have to write them in. Okay. Um, and wizards are happy with that. Um, and they're happy with you putting content on, which is just for you and your players. Uh, but as soon as you start sharing it, they got a problem. Mm. And they're, you know, they're owned by Hasbro, so they 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 are pretty litigious. Um, and I think that's something that's come down on high. But they got royally screwed on fourth edition. Who, who did? Uh, Wizards, right. because they put digital versions of all their books out, and they got pirated so damn much. So mm. I mean, they still made a little bit of money off fourth edition. But the reason they went straight off into fifth was that, well, firstly they re- they'd realised they'd redesigned the game entirely to make it more like a, a a computer game, and that's not what people wanted generally. Um, and then all, all these bad things started happening to them, you know. So I, I think I think they got a bit gun shy, and I think it's just going to have to be a wait. And in the meantime, people are going to be boned because they want to do it for themselves. They want to put things out there for free. Mm. 
and no one is coming up with the commercial alternative. It's let's charge £2 for this character generator app and pay Wizards of the Coast, you know, a pound of that. No, no one is doing that. So, or if they are, it might be a long process, you know. Mm. So. I'm well, surprised. Sorry, sorry, go on. <laughs> I was, I'm saying surprised Wizard just doesn't buy like Roll20 or any of the others and just go, right, this is now ours and just make it their own. Well, they might do. You know, the, there's nothing stopping them. However, Roll20 is across the board for systems. Right. People play you know, a lot of different games in Roll20 and, and its whole premise is that it's systemless. Um, so you can put any system you want into it. I'm just looking at the Wizards of the Coast um, jobs website, and a lot of the jobs on here are software developers. And I would go as I would go as far as to say that they probably are looking for games developers. Mm. Bear in mind that they also publish Magic: The Gathering, ah. which has a significant online element as well. Ah, but well. Um, they do they they actually have come out with a thing. Uh, there's a I'll interrupt myself there again. I completely forgot again. This is Fantasy Grounds. This is a standalone program that you pay for a download and then pay for additional licenses. But I'll put, I'll put the right thing in the show notes later, but I think it's Dungeonscape, where you can plug in various game options and they've licensed that. Okay, so they've, they've created content for that. Mm. So you have to pay like 30 quid for it, for the, the, the base program. And the idea is you can get in and write macros and things for yourself, but the, it's they've just done that for you and created a lot of content for it. But you've still got to shell out a lot of money for it. And that is, I think, that's their stopgap, is that that was the first group of people to approach Wizards of the Coast and say, hey, how about this? We'll pay you money. Do this. Yeah. Um, you know, let's let's have the IP and work with us. So I think that I think that's what happened there, and they're a lot they're a bit of a way off developing their own thing yet. But in the meantime. I think the simplest apps to talk about off the bat are dice rollers. We can get that, get that out of the way. Biddy, do you have dice rollers? What do you, what do you use? What's, what's your recommended app? I actually don't have any normal dice rollers, but the apps <laughs> that I do, because uh, I actually like the physics, I like dice. I really do. Uh, yeah. In fact, I'm in, in the process of trying to buy a new set of dice for my new character because I like to have a set of dice <laughs> per character. And I even go as far as to picking a colour and a theme of the dice that fits with said character, because I am that sad. Um, Geek. Yes, it's <laughs> fantastic. But no, um, one that I do have, which initially was a bit pricey, is the Star Wars dice app. And initially yeah. it was just essentially for the uh, Star Wars role-playing game, Edge of the Empire. However, as all the various different games that they've brought out have been brought out they all just get automatically updated onto this dice app so it now includes imperial assault star wars armada the star wars role-playing game uh, star wars x-wing and a general everything from 4d up to you know d20 dice system hmm. and i think that's cool. a nice way of doing it the problem is with so many of these things is you buy one and it's specifically for that thing and then you've got to go buy another one and then buy another one and yeah. Just the fact that this was it was just one price, and every time something gets updated is is really quite nice, and it's you know nicely set out, nice graphics. Never used it mm. a single time, but um, <laughs> you know it's always there if you need it. Mm. That would be on Android for iOS. I've got a couple that I use because I have a sort of slight fetish for these things. I've gone through basically every one there is. The ones that I'll use, one I've got sort of in backup is um, 
it's it's a pretty basic thing. There's there's no 3D dice or anything. That's just called D and D dice, and it allows you to add modifiers, um, shake the phone to roll, um, but doesn't let you do you know 2D6, 3D6, whatever. It's just a really really basic one. The other one that I've got is called Great Dice D and D. And this is a 3D thing, allows you to shake it, so it works with the accelerometer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've used that one quite a bit. Um, so, um, you know, if you find yourself without dice somewhere and you're playing a game, like um, a lot of pubs, a lot of cafes now have board games. And the dice are some of the first things to go, so it's a really handy thing to have. And that lets you roll compound dice, it gives you the breakdown. Um, it's a really neat little thing, but you do, it's free, but you have to pay if you want different colour dice or whatever. So, yeah, fair enough. And then I've got the Daddy of All, which is, okay, here we go, RPGTK Dice. And that has most of the dice you can think of. It doesn't have Edge of the Empire, you know, um, storytelling dice, but it does have Fate Dice, which allows you to make a roll there. I did have a specific app for Fate Dice, but it, it was a bit fugly. It also allows you to draw cards um, if you're playing something like Dungeon World or... Uh, Savage Worlds, I think, maybe? Maybe Savage Worlds? And then quick counters for things, so you can have um, your hit points or something. It allows you to basically create a, you know, a, a name or a title, a number, and then it, you can plus or minus things. So it's a, you know, a tracker of some sorts. And you can have 3D dice in there if you like. But it also allows you to do really complex dice strings by typing in what it is you need. Um, and I have used all of those in the wild. Uh, Mike, is all this Greek to you? It is. It really is. I'm, I'm frantically trying to find these apps on them. So, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Um, what system are you on? Are you on iOS or iOS, Android? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've said before, I'm, I'm fairly new to all of this and I've never, yeah. um, needed a dice roller on, on my phone. You know, it's. Well, if you get yourself to Zifferblatt, uh, up in the northern quarter, um, you'll probably need a dice roller. I have no idea where that is. <laughs> it's a really cool place, actually. You should, you should check it out. Spell it. No. <laughs> uh, Zifferblatt. Um, I'll I'll share it on the page later. But it's it's where you pay by the minute rather than buy your food. So it's uh, free tea and coffee. It's basically like a shared kitchen, what? and people go and yeah. Um, it's a it's a big place. Uh, there's loads of um, ch- tables and chairs around. Lots of games out. Uh, different sort of different types of furniture all sort of comfy things and you go in and you check in when you you, you go in they take your name and you pay um sorry 5p a minute but you've got access to um all the tea and coffee in the world and people like just go around topping up the cake so you can have as much as you'd like when did this where, where, what when did this that, become a that thing? That's a very, very interesting business model. <laughs> <laughs> so it works out about a two-hour stay. Um, me and Cheryl had two hot drinks between us, uh, or sorry, two hot drinks each, and about three plates of cake. Um, Pay as you us. go cake. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that cost us just under six pounds each. Fuck off. See, for two hours. This is why this is like one of the many reasons why I like being in Manchester or a big city. <laughs> mm. you, you would never have got this in Chester. You would have been charged like fifty quid for like two pieces of cake in Chester. Yeah, apparently there's there's a couple around. There's like there's one in London. There's a couple in in Europe. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's in, it'll be interesting to see if it can take off. Um, but in Manchester, it's a little bit hard to find because it looks like it's in a, a residential 
um, apartment block. Right. And it very much feels like you're going into someone's flat, and it just opens up, and it's the it's half of the entire floor. Yeah, you, yeah, you need to let me to this. For others wanting to uh, go visit this, it's at www.zifferblatt.co.uk, and that's spelt Z-I-F-E-R-B-L-A-T. Zifferblatt. Moving on. So the dice roller would help you at the table if you've forgotten your dice. Fair enough. Yes. What about uh, character creation or character sheets? I've got a number of ones knocking around for the various different versions, uh, which are now pretty much obsolete, but the one I've been using is just simply um, fifth edition character sheet. And judging by the amount of updates that come through to this, the guy or guy or guys that are running it are really on the ball because it's always getting updated all the time, which is nice to know. And that's just really good. It's just very simple, uh, clean interface, just select, create a new character, then it gives you a breakdown of, you know, choose your race, choose your sub-race, choose your class and your background. Once you've done that, then you set all your, your stats, and it just literally takes you the process, and you could, ignoring the fact that you might be picking things without knowing what they are, you could genuinely create a fully working character in less than five minutes. And does does it actually populate the the maths for you? So when you choose a background, does it give you? Yep, everything. Put those skills yeah, in? everything gets calculated and added on. So uh, it gets broken down into one, two, three, four, five, uh, five pages. So you've got the main one, which is your you know your armor class, your HP, your various strengths and their modifiers. The next one over is essentially your skill list and all the associated plus and minuses. Uh, you then get a proficiency and resource page, uh, which then allows you to add your weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then even get a spell page, which again has got your spell spell plus modifier and your spell DC, and you can, you can on, on, on the spells you can't actually pick anything from a list, you have to physically put them in from scratch, but the option's mm-hmm. there, so you can list them all out. And then you've got a class page, which just allows you to keep track of everything from race background features, tool proficiencies all the way through to gold and ideals, bonds, flaws, and notes. So it's, it's very comprehensive. I believe I paid for the the full version of it, which I think was something or nothing. And yeah, it's my go-to app for this. And in fact, cool. I used it to, um, to crunch the numbers for my uh, character I'm going to be playing with next week. All right. So it sounds like it would help you at the table as well if you forget your character sheet. Yeah. Mike. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Once. What's it called again, sorry? It is called 5th Edition Character Sheet. Okay. There is um, an app available on iOS for 5th Edition Character Sheets. Um, there's a group of apps called Real Sheet, which start with Pathfinder in 3.5, um, I think there's a second edition one, and it goes, you know, it goes off and does World of Darkness and all that sort of stuff. And they did th- uh, fourth edition. They, I've used their Pathfinder app, and it was it was good for Pathfinder. But oh my god, fifth edition, it's so ugly. It's so so badly laid out. I just, it's uh, fair enough. They can't take the original fifth edition sheet, which is fairly well laid out. But they've tried to cram so many things in and tried to make each line proprietary, so it's like one line can only be used for one thing, whereas the character sheet has actually has a lot of flex space in it. They've got the skills separated from the attributes. They've got 
areas where it's like, oh, do you use this for your spellcasting? Do you use this for modifier? Do you have an advantage on this? And they're all in different places. And it, it just looks horrendous. So no one used that, but it's the, it's the only one I've found so far that lets you fill in essentially what is a PDF and then export it. Mm. So, I mean, technically you could have a record that you can email to yourself. And when you make, you know, you need, you need to do all the maths yourself. So it, it's just fairly tedious. If you're typing it all in on a phone as well, it's, I don't think it's, it's that worth it. Um, so as a, as a backup to your character sheet, honestly, do another character sheet or use one of the game in a card sleeve character sheets or something. Just, just don't use this. It's horrible. So there's, there's nothing really out there for iOS that'll do the job. Mm. I think iOS, as a general rule, is probably a bit better policed because they've got very, very yeah. strong content rules about what you can and can't post. They're certainly stronger, I would imagine, than the Android. Yeah, tick a box that says you own the IP. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of things that, that will help at the table, uh, what else have you got? I'd be interested to hear what the DM uses, to be honest, as well. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of apps out there for DMs. Do you ever do you ever use any of the uh, random character generators, which I can imagine can be quite I, helpful? I do. Um, I have two. Um, one is an app called Name Mage, which is um, it, it, it's a selector clicker wheel thing. You get to select what kind of background you want. So whether you want it to like a dwarven or something, sounds like it's from David Eddings. Or um, English place names for surnames would be would be one. So there's various real world various um, like Tolkien things like that, um, and that's pretty good. But it only comes up with single names, and that, that's that's a good start. So if you've got an NPC and you really haven't got anything prepared at all, it's good just to go right, uh, right name mage, boom, right there we go. The other generator that I use is web based. And it's called, it's a website called Donjon, D-O-N-J-O-N. And this is the granddaddy and it is absolutely fantastic. Yes, I know this one. This one has got, um, random world generation stuff on it, hasn't it, as well? Yeah, um, it's got so many random generators and some of them are generic and some of them are geared at various, um, various flavors so fantasy or sci-fi or whatever and some of them are get it get it specific games um but there's so much utility there's there's random dungeon generators ran, random uh, tavern generators random plot generators random world generators like a fractal world generator. yeah i am particularly obsessed with the random world generator i can, <laughs> I can honestly lose about an hour just going through, toying with all the figures and tick boxes and changing everything around and just trying to create that perfect, you know, fantasy world map, yeah. basically. Uh, I mean, Donjon is, well, where, where we get the term dungeon from, um, is so, so good for the DM. Um, one of the best things it does for a start is if you generate a map, it will give you the player option. So it'll give you a map with secret doors and treasures and monsters or whatever. And then you do the player version, which doesn't have those. Mm. Um, so they, you know, they, they can't just cheat and look at the map. There, there's too many generators to really go into, but it, it is a fantastic resource and anyone into role playing really should, should get familiar with Donjon. It's really, really good. And there are a couple of downloadable open source free programs and the one that I've stuck with 
uh, is RPG City Map Generator, which is a free piece of software and it procedurally generates a city map based on your input. It's pretty basic graphically, but it's zoomable, uh, it'll put water in there, it'll have um, concentrations of buildings and roads and what, what have you, um, but it won't give you the functions essentially it won't say here's the tavern here's the church here's the um you know center of government or whatever it is it, but it's to start with a city map so you don't have to draw everything it's a really good one to start with if you decide to make an absolutely huge city then it can get a bit of a drain on your resources <laughs> on the computer um but yeah for for just generating things on the fly it's a really good little thing there and you can output it as in various formats as well as you know just doing a screen grab I think a lot of these random generators um, are also very good for when you're constructing the world, because I'm sure creating... I mean, did you use any of this when you were creating your world maps for the system you've just set up, or was that all completely from your head? I didn't. Actually, it wasn't from my head at all. Um, bear in mind, I'm an um, archaeology geek, um, so I, I used existing real-world maps that look nothing like the real world. Uh, have you ever seen the map of Monday, for example? Is that the kind of like the the round one? It's the round one where all distances are calculated from Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, so that looks nothing like the real world, but there's some good little details in there for coastlines and things like that. Um, and then if you add it to someone else's map that is um, a navigational map based on the centre of the Atlantic, then you know it, it it gets interesting. So it's it's my world map is actually a composite of several real world maps mm. but you'd, you'd be hard pressed to figure out which bits are which because something i was going to say is with the donjon with the uh the world map crazy I, I spent quite a long time trying to create the the, the perfect world and you know <laughs> changing the figures and changing the the random generating seed just to try and make it all, all right and then i eventually you know got what i liked and then when i really looked at it i thought holy crap that's just earth you know, yeah. large landmass on the side, uh, on top, with a bit on the left-hand side, and something down by the bottom right. And it was like, well, there's America, there's Australia, and it was essentially <laughs> I was spent the entire time searching for something familiar. Whereas if you just trust the software to do something completely random, and even get it to generate some uh, random names and places and stuff in there, it actually opens up your mind and your imagination to create something a bit more interesting because you have yeah. to weave this stuff in. This is why I'm yeah. always so welcome to, you know, you kind of like suggesting things for my character and then just rolling with it. Because to be honest, if I try and come up with it myself, I end up a bit too close to home, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you have a map generated for you, you have to kind of think about it and then give it an ecology. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is where a lot of your story can come from as a DM. So, um, yeah, th those are incredibly valuable um, in terms of coming up with maps. And then, you know, once you come up with a map, and if you're not that happy with it, don't sit there for hours tinkering with it. Find something that's near enough and then get a pencil out, you know. Mm. So there's another app that I was looking at as well. And this is not something we're ever going to use ourselves because we record. And if we had music on in the background, as I used to play music before we were recording, um, but if I start cutting things, then the music will jump. Um, so we, we can't do it for that. But there's an app called DMDJ, which is a great little app. It's really high quality noise. Um, you get background noise and you get, so background ambiences, sorry, 
and you get music mm. and you can play one or the other. It'll also let you increase or decrease the intensity of your ambiences. So if you need a battle that's in a distance, you put it on low. And if you're right in the thick of it, you put it on high. Um, there's, you know, lots and lots and lots of options in there. Uh, the music itself is, well, if it's background music, I don't suppose it matters if, you know, if it's great or not, but it's generally fairly good. Um, some of it gets a little bit generic. There is a nod to sci-fi as well as, uh, fantasy and a bit of horror as well there. And there's, uh, modern noises as well. There are sound effects. So you can have individual sword hits. Um, and there are you know, things like uh, machine gun fire and that sort of stuff. So, um, I would say that though the sound quality is brilliant and it's supposed to be played through a hi-fi sound system. So you're supposed to dock it, but it will take you a little while to go through it and figure out the things you want and put them in a playlist so that they are there to hand because trying to find everything in the menu system isn't that easy. So doing it on the fly, probably not the best thing. Mm. Because if you could um, queue them up, you know, or like create a playlist, or that, yeah, that's I think that's that's what they've done. If you you can create a playlist of sorts, um, they're called snapshots, I think though. But um, so so you you load up a, a thing, you can go to that. Um, and generally speaking, though, I actually find that using it that way, you or you know having to find things means that you are sparing with it at the table. So if you're lathering it on you're probably spending too much time thinking about the sounds that you want to put on rather than the, the story that you're telling. So it makes you think, well, I'll, I'll just change that now, and boom, there you go, right, okay, now, now we're on to the game again. But it's very well produced. So uh, that's all the apps that I've, I've looked at. Uh, is there anything else anyone wants to, to add? Mike, is a, from a software point of view, what's what's your take on this? That The first time that I played D&D with you all, I thought, why isn't there an app that's doing all of this? Why can't I just sit in front of an iPad and, like, whatever you're doing is actually just, like, in the world, just projecting it onto my screen. But then I actually Googled it and it actually does exist. So, yeah, <laughs> there are things that do that. Um, the drawback to those is that the things that model everything, uh, say, on an iPad, don't work on an iPhone or they're not available on iPhone because they, they wouldn't scale to it. Yeah. Um, and then, then, and then as a DM, I want people looking at me and looking at each other, not the table or their devices. You know, it's that thing of, you know, we stopped using maps because everyone was looking down and thinking about the tactic and thinking about the board game that's in front of them rather than, rather than looking up yeah. and thinking about the role playing game. Well, I'm definitely going to be having my character sheet digital. So one that yeah. it's always on me. So I don't get in a position where it's disappeared. Yeah. So, so I've just given you a half-assed answer. Yeah, 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 maybe. Um, but yeah, d- definitely I'll be using a my my iPad when we play again with my character sheet on it. And if I can work it, I'll probably have like an Excel sheet that'll do all the um, maths for me. If I can't get one, like an, an official app. I mean, push come to shove, you could always go on Roll Twenty, set up your character in one of those character sheets. You'll have to create a game. Yeah. Um. And go on to that. I think though you, to get it to work on an iPad properly, you have to have subscribed to it. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I've just created my character with this beyond tabletop and it's frustratingly how it's not doing the uh, maths for me. Mm. I mean, I could, yeah. I, I could sit down with you 
but I'll do it, I know, but it's, I want to do it myself and oxymoron now. Uh, <laughs> there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a, a good substitute for pen and paper right now. Is, is the point. Um, you know, the Beyond Tabletop, uh, web app should be pretty good, but it's not. And I think it's because that they've been very careful about what IP they're using. Mm. Um, and, and to, to go in and do the maths for you and to fill in text, things like that. I think they've done probably more than they should right now. Um, so Wizards will probably pick them up on it eventually. Mm. Um, but it's still, I had a look, I just, I, it's fugly. <laughs> the, uh, it's, I, I, I like good presentation and just having a summary page where it's a great big list that you have to scroll up and down. Why? Why not have that all on one page that you don't have to scroll? <laughs> okay, I'm going to interrupt again. We seem to have recorded this at the absolute worst possible time because straight after we recorded this, the Roll20 iPad app rolled out. So that's there. Mike's can give that a go. Fifth edition character sheet that we talked about as being on Android only is now on iOS. It is available. It's called the same thing. If you're looking for it, it's a green D20 as a logo. It does have all the functionality that Biddy was talking about. It's got all of the character generation help in there. It's got all of the text that he was talking about. So I don't know if they have reached an agreement with Wizards. It seems like it might be legit. We'll watch this space. I think the moral to all this is the fact that, yes, these tools are very useful and they can, you know, aid you if you've forgotten your sheets and stuff. Ultimately, just pouring over the book is probably your best option because if you've just got a series of tick boxes and pick this and pick that, you're not really engaging with the subject. You're just kind of, you're just going through the motions. Whereas if you have to actually physically flick through and read things, you, you, you're coming across stuff maybe that you, you, you wouldn't won't do otherwise. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a really good point there as well. And I think it's, it's a thing that modern publishing is struggling with is that if you put content out there for free, or if you put it out there on a subscription basis, they, everyone thinks that people are going to stop buying the books that it's based on, and they won't, because if there's anything that, you know, geek culture tells you is that generally nerds like physical things, they like objects, they like toys, mm-hmm. they like, you know, the miniatures, they like the, the, the bobbleheads and all that sort of stuff, and the t-shirts, they'll go out and buy the books still, but giving them a tool to use things, you know, in, in a way that they want to isn't going to hurt your bottom line too much. Yeah. As long as you're reasonable about it, you know, as, as long as you're reasonably savvy about it, you know, you don't give away the farm and give away the entire book in a, in, in a free, in a free app. But saying that, I think we've talked about it before. I don't, I don't think the uh, starter set went to the point where it made me want to go out and buy the player's handbook. It just frustrated me how there was just a complete lack of answers for, for a starter set. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, so that, 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 that's in some ways, some ways, yeah, in some ways the starter set was a good introduction, and we have talked about that, but uh, in some ways it was a bad introduction, in some ways it was good, and you're never going to hit everyone. But I think role-playing games, in a way, are changing slightly in terms of their delivery. I think that virtual tabletops and Skype games and Roll20 and the, the various paid systems that you can do for a, for a virtual tabletop um, are coming a lot more into the fore now. People are using them a lot more um, because it's easier to put a game together. Mm. But I don't think it's ever going to replace the sitting around a table aspect. You know, the, the the really social aspect of things. 
um, where you, you know get together and talk shit for three hours and play a game for one. You know? Which is which is a really good point in that D and D has just got this really unfair reputation for being for sad, geeky, lonely people when in fact it's the most the sociable. Most yeah, it's the most sociable game out there. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. If anyone ever says um, anything about you know, I'm I'm pretty sort of. I talk in my outdoor voice um, about D&D at work. You know, I've got dice on my desk. And yeah, it was one of the things I used to customise my cubicle. But no one's ever called me out on it at all. I don't think it's it's got quite that reputation anymore. And to be honest, if anyone did come out and say, oh, isn't that really, you know, geeky and sad or whatever, say, have you ever played fantasy football? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you want to shut up right now? <laughs> you know, Um uh, and it comes out of like, well, what, what, who are the highest paid people in the, you know, in the world these days outside of technology and wherever it's entertainment? And it's storytellers. And the people who make the biggest bucks in Hollywood are all D and D players. Hmm. You know, uh, you know, people who write the stories. Half the the films that have been out recently have all been D and D films. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy is D and D. You know, <laughs> um, any ensemble film at all is a D and D game. And you, you know, scratch the surface, and you're, the writers, the producer, the director will all have played D and D. Well, there's some very notable um, actors. I mean, like Vin Diesel is famous. He's a D and D player, isn't he? Yeah, he's got. He yeah. plays World of Warcraft quite a lot in raids and what. And, and and bring it back to our groove, uh, Alex is obsessed with Fast and the Furious. Yeah, um, yeah. And apparently, Vin Diesel has been bringing D&D into Fast and the Furious writing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in that sense of it's an ensemble group, and how do you make an ensemble work? And, mm. and people who play D&D know how to do that. And apparently, uh, Fast and the Furious started off really crap. And this is what Alex has told me. It started off really crap, um, and kind of so bad it's good kind of thing. But then it started getting really good, and that's why it's had seven films. So it's got to be something in it. Well, we're definitely going off on a tangent here, and I've not really seen any of the others, but the first Fast and the Furious was essentially just um, point break with cars. <laughs> it was just yeah. a carbon copy, you know. Although, uh, have you seen the, the three D&D films? No. The, the three D&D films? No. There, there are three live action. There, there are a few oh, um, no, I tell a animated lie. ones. I, I've seen one of them, and it's horrendous. Yeah, the first <laughs> one is utterly, utterly horrendous with one of the Wayans brothers in it. That, yeah, that, that was truly, truly horrendous. But then they did the second one, which to me, I, I felt that was so bad it's good. The first one wasn't so bad it was good, it was just bad. And then the third one they came out with was kind of the dark horse. It's actually not bad. It was made for almost no budget. It's a different production company that tackled it. And you can tell in places that people went over what they were paid to do because they thought, no, screw this, I'm making this a decent film. And so really put the effort in. Um, and there are still some elements where it makes you cringe, but it kind of works. Um, I think it's um, The Book of Vile Darkness. All right. So that's the one worth seeing. The problem I have with all these films, and it's, this is the reason why I think um, films based on computer games don't work as well, is the fact that the whole point of them is the fact that you're involved, you are po- part of the process, yeah. you are dictating how the story goes. So to completely remove yourself from that and just have to sit there and have no interaction with it whatsoever, it just doesn't really work. I mean, they've never, they've never even tried to take... Well, in the, I'll say that. In the, they've done an animated film, which is based on a novel. Um, set in the Greyhawk uh, world, but they've not taken advantage of the fact they've got a stable of writers that produce novels. Mm. You know, wh- you know, where's where's the Dritz film? 
Um, you know, if, if you did a film that was a decent enough budget, let's say had a 10 million budget and was about Drit Stewart and, uh, for those of you who don't know, he's the, um, the, the quintessential ranger drow, the only good drow kind of out there. Um, and that's set in, I believe that's set in the Forgotten Realms, which is the current campaign setting. So it tie in really well. They've published a load of books. They had a load of celebrities reading the audiobooks. The one read by Will Wheaton is amazing. Uh, the one read by Ice-T is just a mindfuck. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, he's just reading this news. He's like reading it going, what on earth is this coming out of my mouth? I have no idea what is coming out of my mouth. Like, listening to Ice-T say the word Menzo Berenzon. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... And he's just, the hate pours out of him. It's just, I hate what I'm doing. He's, he's, and he's talking about a character that's got a sentient sword as well. <laughs> it's just so unbelievably out there. Um... But they're, they're and they're free as well. Uh, you can get those for free. We've gone way off topic. We have we? totally. Do you want to play a game? Yes, let's play. Let's play a game. <laughs> if you know of any apps that we haven't talked about and work for you, get in touch. And let us know. Swordnutradio at gmail dot com. That's swordnutradio at gmail dot com. Or hit us up on Twitter. It's at swordnuts. Links to all the apps and websites we talked about will be in the show notes. We have talked about people using intellectual property and copyright and all that sort of stuff, but no implication of wrongdoing is actually implied by anyone on the show. We don't know all the facts. We don't know what's been going on. We don't know what deals have been made. So take everything we say with a pinch of salt. The song was Grime by John Paul Jones. Thanks for listening. Ooh. Continue that through. That'll, that'll probably be the through line. Mm. I'm just really happy that Simon Pegg's writing it. So, yeah, that is uh, quite exciting, mm. isn't it? He's, he's, yeah, he's like the big enough geek to sort it all out, isn't he? Do you reckon, <laughs> do you reckon they can get Edgar Wright to direct as well? Because <laughs> that would just be awesome. And you know, give Nick Frost a bit of a cameo. You know, just make it the fourth Cornetto film, <laughs> the Orange Cornetto. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that idea. <laughs> um, who would Simon? Oh no, no, no. Nick Frost would have to be Harry Mudd, wouldn't it? Oh. Yeah. Only two sets of people, Wait, really. That's wrong. Sorry, I've sent the wrong link. Oh. Okay. But go on, continue. Is that just dick pics? Yeah, shit, sorry. <laughs> but, if you're in, but if you're interested, you know, wink, wink. In fact, I'll tell you what, it's no. Like, come on, get it together. Yeah, for fuck's sake, yeah. Um, now we talk about copyright and bullshit. Wink, yeah. Other than that, yeah. <sighs> sorry, I'm being a bit lazy today. <laughs> Edit that out. Um... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>